Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your god. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. I am your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and joining me this evening, we have the creators of the awesome sci-fi 5th edition expansion, exploration, spaceships and star worms from Hope Punk Press. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Ben and Audrey Welcome to Rollin' Bones. Thank you so much for having us, Ryan. Yeah. Gotcha. No problem at all. I've been looking forward to this ever since I did the review on the channel. And even since my, my good friend Kyle Smith uh, told me to check this out as he was, uh, he was starting up a, uh, a campaign of this. That's awesome. That's really exciting. Cool. <laughs> we always love to hear about people playing and enjoying the game. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Gotcha. Well, we are going to start this thing off the same way we start everything else off on uh, Rollin' Bones here. Uh, firstly, though, welcome Ragnarok Rose. I believe this is your first time on Rollin' Bones, so welcome. It's always good to have new people in the chat. Um, so yeah, we like to start these interviews with uh, the same questions. So let's kick this off right at the beginning. Uh, how did you guys get into RPGs? Oh, man. My history is way shorter than Ben's because Ben was my (laughs) gateway drug for RPGs. So um, I started playing. I had one really terrible experience in high school with some coworkers, and it was like a homebrew system that was like very weird. And uh, I was the only girl at the table. So a whole thing in high school and then never touched an RPG again until I got to college and Um, some of my friends were going to play a game with Ben who I didn't really know at the time. And they said, we think that you would really enjoy this. And I said, okay, sure. Tell me what to do. So I made my first Pathfinder character because that's what we played in. And that, I mean, that's like seven years ago now, something like that. And, uh, just never looked back. Yeah. And, uh, on my end, uh, my dad brought me into playing when I was real young as a kid and, pretty much played with him and some friends of mine exclusively up through high school. I uh, took a little break at the beginning of college from it altogether uh, until a group of people who I knew at varying degrees asked me to, to DM for them uh, a game of Pathfinder because they all wanted to try out uh, playing. And that kind of rocketed me back into playing again. And uh, they've pretty much been my, my crew ever since. Um, ever expanding, always ever expanding, always changing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, gotcha. So, of all the games that y'all have played over the years, 
if you had to pick a favorite, what would you say that would be? Okay, now is the system or is this like campaign? Uh, the system. System, okay. Hmm. I won't ask you to choose between your, your GMs. That's cruel. I mean, my GM has <laughs> largely been Ben, so it's not too bad for me. Pretty easy. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, system, I got to think about that. Um, man. I will always appreciate Pathfinder for being the system that got me into gaming, but I absolutely can't choose that. I'm not a crunchy person at the table usually, <laughs> mm -hmm. so Pathfinder is a little too much for me. Um, I don't know. I, I might just have to go with what I've been playing lately, which is a lot of Monster of the Week, so it's powered by the Apocalypse D6 system, and mm -hmm. um, just as a really fun, fun mechanic, and I've always been a fan of like monster of the week style shows. And so it's been an interesting one to play. So for right now, I have to say that that's definitely, um, that's definitely top of the list, but no promises that it'll stay there. Cool. Yeah. For, for me, it, it really comes down to like from, a an aesthetic of system. I have been in love with Shadowrun's D six system forever, even though I think the game is, far more complex than it needs to be um but i mean generally i probably have to to give give it to the thing that i play the most which is fifth edition and its ancillary uh, surrounding games just because it's simple easy to pick up uh easy to teach to people and those are all really important things for me since i usually end up being the one who teaches them how to play <laughs> I have to change my answer because I forgot we ran a very brief game and I hope that we'll revisit this system, but we played through the breach, which uses uh, oh, the Malifo setting and it mm. uses a deck of cards instead of dice. Really, and I just really cool mm, system. It was really fun. Very cool. <laughs> it was a, it was a really nice uh, change of pace after we had been playing five E for like several consecutive campaigns. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was just a fresh one and we kept it short and sweet, but I really hope that we'll use that system again sometime. Cause it was a blast. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've not played in a system that uses cards instead of dice. I've, I've played a lot of savage worlds, which uses cards and dice. Right. Right. But, uh, that, that sounds interesting. I'd, I'd definitely be interested in, uh, it was a neat mechanic. Out. I yeah, liked it should, quite uh... a lot. You should check it out. It uses basically its own custom. You can use a regular deck of cards, but it uses its own like custom suits. And the way that you play with a shared deck for everybody is just kind of neat. Uh, yes. <laughs> gotcha. Class is built around milling the deck and stuff, so that's always fun. <laughs> Absolutely. And before we go to the next question, we, of course, have to welcome Pomonix in chat. Uh, Pomonix is Kyle Smith, who actually got me into the game. Kyle, I'm glad you could make it this evening. Oh, hey, Kyle. Um, <laughs> Thanks for getting him into the game, Kyle. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, he is currently multitasking right now because uh, I take it from the, the chat here that he's actually in the middle of a D&D &D session <laughs> while, while having this on in the background. Look, you got to do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> absolutely, yes, absolutely, Kyle. It is. It's a great system, and I'm glad that I'm glad that you shared it with me because it it allows me to broaden my horizons. Like I've been loving doing in these these past couple years as I've been doing this podcast and discover some really great games. Awesome. Now. 
going back to those early games, um, and and Ben, this this might take you all the way back to childhood if you if you remember <laughs> that first character you played. But if you guys can tell me either your first character or your first memorable character, uh, please hold. I mean, forth. I can tell you my first character very <laughs> easily. Yeah. Uh, so my first character, I was, so I learned how to play in a game called Nevola, uh, which my dad created, um, which basically was a branched off version of, uh, AD&D, uh, that he had made a bunch of adjustments to. And, uh, they were essentially a druid character, um, named Ben Prehistoric, and <laughs> they summoned and wild shaped into dinosaurs exclusively. Um, I love that. <laughs> that was my that was my first character. <laughs> oh gosh! How old were you at the time? I was eight. <laughs> gotcha. Yep. That is that is from the it's mind of perfect. an eight year old. Yeah. Right. I love um, it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, my first. I'm and I'm gonna go with memorable character because I only ever played one session of that weird homebrew thing that I mentioned. Um, so my first character was when we started the Pathfinder game. Her name was Martha Stormshield. She was a half orc sorcerer um of the storm variety if you couldn't tell <laughs> and um man it took me most of that campaign to learn how to actually play the sorcerer without any prompting or help from anyone else but i sure loved martha and everything that we did with her so it was mm. great <laughs> absolutely i i've i found it difficult for newer players to pick up the casters, but once they get the, it, it's it's like a if you can play this, you can play anything kind of situation. That's how I felt. It definitely set me up uh, for success when we transitioned to five e after that because I was like, wow, every single class in this system is easier <laughs> to grasp than the Pathfinder Sorcerer. Yeah, every single one. <laughs> yeah, even even the five e Sorcerer, which is actually the, kind the, of the outlier. Yeah. Yeah, the five E sorcerer is one of the easier casters to to get a handle on. But even like if you if you played a, a cleric or a wizard in five E, if you'd mastered the uh, the Pathfinder uh, sorcerer, then yeah, you're you're golden. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry if I'm fidgety. My cat's trying to scratch the back of my computer chair. <laughs> it's all good. We'll probably have a couple of cats in and out of here if we. Oh, we already do have. <sighs> Yes. I will, I will turn to profile so that everyone can see Nora grooming herself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we oh, always We always have to show the cats. It's either I, I've got always. two, Nora and Ronan. Oh. Cute. I have a dog, no cats. So, mm -hmm. she probably won't come in here while I'm doing this. Um, but if she does, she'll make her presence known because she's about 40 pounds, but thinks she's a lap dog. So, <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, Ragnarok Rose, this is the kind of uh, content that we offer for free here on on Rolling Bones. You you don't we don't hide the kitty grooming behind behind the uh, the paywall on this show. It's, <laughs> it's not Patreon exclusive because we don't have one. <laughs> I mean, that's half the battle, right? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll get you hooked. Then we'll stick it behind the paywall. <laughs> <laughs> the first taste is free. <laughs> Absolutely. So, for uh, 
and this might be more of a question for Ben, because Audrey, I don't know if you've been uh, duct taped to the chair that sits behind the GM screen yet, but only once or twice. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're not you're not stuck in the the perpetual GM role, but (laughs) so so I guess this is more of a question for for Ben. Uh, Do you have any forever NPCs that have kind of traveled from game to game? Um, I mean, yes, <laughs> because uh, a number of the campaigns that I ran, starting with their Pathfinder game in college, uh, were all set on the same planet, uh, mm. the same world, essentially. So there was a collection of them, which were kind of playing the uh, role of like a Gandalf sort of character a mm. lot of times, because uh, they were immortal and they were wizards and such. But well, you know um, who you have to talk about, Ben? You have to talk oh about God. the god of pools. All right. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, one of one of my dad's creations was these magical pools where you would you basically you bathe in the pool and you get a magical blessing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, in his game, he always had this god of pools. So it's one of the things I carried over when I started running Pathfinder. I would just made up these magical pools and went from there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, early on in the first one, um, I was explaining who, like, places these mysterious magic pools everywhere for adventurers to find as this god of pools, and he ended up being just, like, the A most surfer? chill surfer <laughs> dude, undying guy, uh, on a surfboard who just kind of if he ever shows up, you hear in the background that da 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 yeah, Ragnarok Rose, you're you're getting your money's worth here tonight uh, with with the cats <laughs> popping up. <laughs> so, uh, h- how would you guys describe your play styles, both as players and as GMs? As a player, I know that I personally am extremely uh, narrative. Oh, also I forgot. So, uh, nano boost is in the chat. That's my husband. He also Sweet. has encountered the God of pools. We forgot to say his name. <laughs> it's Brosiden, King of the Brosian. I love it. Oh, that's true. It <laughs> is Brosiden. Can't leave that detail out, Ben. King of the Brosian. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as a player, I definitely really lean into the narrative. Um, I tend to be very role play focused as a player and, um, I'm, I do my best to branch out, but I enjoy playing, uh, social characters for that reason. Mm-hmm. So that's, I would have to think more about my GM style. Your GM you style about, is the same as your player style. Is it, is it it's still very, very, very narrative focused, very dialogue focused. I try to not, yeah, dialogue focused. That's what I would say. Cause mm-hmm. I try to not make it like cut sceney when I'm GMing, right? Like I want you to still have uh the control but i definitely as a gm am like i drew this map 
half an hour before session and I have a loose collection of like names and places and we're just going to see what happens and I'm going to throw it all together and 90% of my voices are made up on the spot. Gotcha. Um, so in that regard, I am uh, vastly different from my play style, which is to say I prepare a lot and I have a lot of details figured out about my characters when I'm playing. But when I'm GMing, I'm just like, here's the framework. Let's make it happen. So fast yeah. and loose. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Um, honestly, Audrey and I are pretty similar players, uh, just by the nature of our enjoyment of the RP side of, uh, tabletop games. Um, you like a little I can't more say, crunch than me. As I say, I can't I'm say that I don't taco. like any crunch. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy some of the crunchier systems, but for me, it's like, I have this character concept and... If mechanically I can't execute on what the flavor of what my character is and should be, then I feel bad. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't feel right to me. So, like, I'll go in and, and try to figure out the best way to embody whatever I want my character to be after I figure them out from, like, an RP direction. Um, and as the, as the GM, uh, I tend to do a little more structure. Um, recent years have been a lot more structured than I used to be. Mm -hmm. I used to do a lot of it's very similar to to what Audrey does generally. Just uh, lean on the improv. Since <laughs> I uh, since I oh oh no, don't chew on the wire, sweetie. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, since I uh, started writing modules for SNS and everything, and because those have to be so painstakingly like divulged and detailed for the you know, for someone who isn't me to run them, uh, that's kind of reflected down into the rest of my jamming style. And now I end up having like lists of NPCs everywhere and uh, like actual structured things. Okay, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, and so I would say definitely a lot more structure nowadays than uh, what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Now, this next question can be a little bit difficult for people because, you know, people who try to do this thing professionally and show up on on streams like this, we have a lot of fond memories tied up in this hobby. But if you had yeah. to pick a fondest RPG memory, what would that be? You're just asking all the hard questions, Ryan. <laughs> Maybe it's actually... hard for me. I actually have one that really sings home for me, um, and it's because uh, so when I when I jumped into college and basically lost most of the contact with my high school friends that I had played you know tabletop with, and was further away from my dad, so I didn't really play with him at the time either. Um, like I didn't play anything for a couple years, and then I got back into it with like a fury. Uh, with these guys and that Pathfinder game. And I remember that first session that they played with me really, really well and how much, like, screaming there was at, like, the you opening You blew it. the capital city, <laughs> like, immediately. <laughs> it was only the capital government building that you all had to get out of. And the bridge! Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, but I just, I just will never forget the... The screaming about the the twists that were happening, and uh, one of our friends, whose dinosaur companion 
almost got caught inside the building after I told him that the Ankylosaurus would be fine. And just screaming, you said he'd be all right. You said he'd make it out. We were like, playing in like the common area of the dorm. There's there were, like people walking through listening to us. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. Yeah. For me, I think it's got to be. So we just wrapped up like a really long campaign and it was basically the culmination of every campaign we'd played in Ben's ongoing setting for a really long time. And um, I cried a lot. And I, for once, I wasn't the only person at the table crying a lot. And it was just like a really <laughs> cathartic uh, game experience to like say goodbye to not only these characters that we had played for two plus years, but to this setting that we were so familiar with and that we had really, really come to love. Um, for a really long time so that was it was just a really good moment for me and I know that at the end of that we all just kind of sat around in your living room because everybody was like okay well I guess that's it and it feels different than ending all of the games that we've ended so far and like I don't want to go home and you know and so it was just a really nice time like both with my friends and in the game like the satisfaction that you get from telling a really good story and telling it collaboratively mm-hmm my my wife Elfie is in the chat, and and the the dinosaur not making it out definitely tugged on on one. Of he her made it out. We <laughs> did make out. it out. Okay. We did make it out. Gotcha. And he survived the rest of the campaign. It was great. <laughs> awesome. Lived he was very useful, <laughs> as most animal companions in Pathfinder weren't. But mm. uh, he definitely had some baller AC. But we <laughs> loved him. <laughs> Absolutely. Now. We go from the highest highs to the uh, the lowest lows here uh, because we share the table with all kinds of people. Some of them become our best friends in the whole wide world. Some of them we just don't click with. So if you guys have a that guy story that you're comfortable sharing on the air, uh, I would love to hear it. I mean, I have a few and... Um... <laughs> You know, don't want to call people out or anything, but I've definitely mm. been in real life arguments that started out as in-game arguments and then turned very ugly. Mm. And so that's been not amazing, um, you know, and it's not like you can hold any one person culpable when that happens, but it definitely mm. uh, is a negative experience because, uh, as you said, Ryan, like we enjoy this hobby and it's so much tied up with like personal feelings and emotions and stuff that that that's something that's really hazardous and then i unfortunately also have some of those i'm a woman who plays games and sometimes that's uncomfortable with certain groups of people <laughs> so uh not to go into details there but just role play that got taken in directions i wasn't comfortable with and then having to say like hey guys i'm out like mm -hmm. i'm done yeah. you know um so not a great time but for the most part i've been with this really tight-knit group of people so it's been an overall positive for me at the table. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. For me, um, I'm not also not going to really name names, but uh, there, there is a experience that I had where one of the players um, disagreed with, with uh, how another player was playing their character to such a degree that they felt the need to like, punish them in and out of game like vindictively to the point where we don't play with that person anymore um and that, that was pretty rough it mm, was uh yeah. that was a that was a rough one yeah it's always that's... weird when it turns personal you know mm -hmm. yeah 
But I mean, we all invest a little bit or a lot of bit of ourselves in the characters that we make and play. Um, and it's really important that your table, like you're all there with the same mindset because sometimes, you know, when a person is doing a, doing a character and that character may, may or may not actually be that useful versus somebody who's there to play it for the game mechanical aspect, um, you can really create some friction. Yeah, and it's something that, I mean, that particular instance specifically led us to um, adding a lot of, like, consent talk at our table and talking about the game out of game to make sure, like, regardless of whether or not you're metagaming, right? Because mm-hmm. it's always right. more important that people are comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And, <clears throat> the- excuse me. You okay over there? <laughs> yep. There are Matt Colville has called this kind of player the optimizer, the one who not only wants to make sure that their character is doing everything that they possibly can, but also wants to make sure that the party is living up to their full potential. Right. And they're uh <clears throat> this can be it, it can be good. That kind of person typically knows the book very well and you know, you can typically turn to them as a a resource. But there's there's the other side where if this person gets in their head that you're having fun wrong, it turns into uh, a very kind of ugly thing. And and Kyle and Chad has pointed out, you know, he's got a discord that's just for discussing how, you know, everyone's feeling about what's going on in the game. That's cool. Yeah, my. Yeah. (laughs) Nano boost. Oh I am not. Oh, oh goodness. That's my husband, and I won't apologize for him. <laughs> oh, you were not. Uh, the thumbs up for the total biscuit emote, but but oh, you don't want to see what some of my my cats have coughed up. Uh. Like, gross. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, where can I see the stream as it's happening, Ben? I'm watching it on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. I shared the link in our friend Discord, but I can drop it in here too. Oh, I see, I see, I see. I must have yes. missed it. I'm just following along because I always like to see what the chat is saying. That, mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to wanted to find it, but uh, I couldn't uh, couldn't find it. So, mm-hmm. gotcha. And I can <clears throat> for for the benefit of anyone who wants to share this out while we're doing this. It's twitch.tv slash Roland Bones Ryan, mm-hmm. and. Uh, if you if you like what you're seeing, you can go ahead and send that out. Uh, tell people that we're talking spaceships and star worms this evening, and uh, we would love to have people join. So we've got this last question here before we jump specifically into the spaceships and star worms talk. This one has flummoxed a couple people, including professional writers. Um, the answer to this question can be as philosophical or sophomoric as you want it to be. If you could put anything on a t-shirt, what would it be? Oh, man. I have a running list. Okay, so you don't know this, Ryan, but I have hit, hit you've hit the nail on the head. I have a running <laughs> list of slogans to put on booty shorts. Um, <laughs> I already have like True. four or five pairs. Mm-hmm. Ah, man. I think that one that I would have to go with right now, because it's the one that's been on my mind lately, is a chungus among men. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Look, at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a simple person, and uh, what I've been looking for all my life is a shirt that has at least one picture of every species of shark in the world. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Ben's a shark enthusiast. I am. It's true. <laughs> shark sharks are great. Ben, I'm glad you, you think so. Have you ever <laughs> have you ever had the pleasure of uh, meeting or or? sitting at the table with Shane Hensley from, uh, from Pinnacle Entertainment? No. Mm, I don't believe so. Gotcha. I don't think he, so. He is a fellow shark enthusiast, so <laughs> if if you're at the same con as him, you should definitely uh, f- try to find one of his games. He's usually running Deadlands. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. He, yeah, he's, cool. he's the creator of Deadlands. Um, but if you find him, he'll, he'll definitely talk sharks with you. He, he's a shark enthusiast as well. I will awesome. keep that in mind as soon as COVID ends and I'm going to cons in person again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Ragnarok Rose is uh, putting the slogan out there. Now, I do have to ask you, do, do you want this to be a Chungus Among Men or a Chungus Among Us? Oh, God, that's even better. A Chungus <laughs> Among Us? That's. Mm, I think it's got to be that one. <laughs> that's even better. Glad to be of I'm assistance. I'm a sucker for the rhymes. <laughs> Look, I I don't I don't think it gets better than your shorts that say Goblin Hour on them, and I just yeah I, I have a I pair know. of shorts that just... say Goblin Hour, and then I have one that says Space Junk, <laughs> and then the ones that I'm wearing right now say I'm Baby. <laughs> so I have uh, I have quite a few in a running list, so we'll see we'll see. I'll tweet at you mm-hmm. when I make some that says a Chungus Among Us. Gotcha. <laughs> it's gonna happen almost certainly. <laughs> Now, now, if we can combine these two into a uh, a, a homunculus of of great power or great evil, if we could somehow put every species of shark on a pair of booty shorts, Uh yes, I mean I would wear <laughs> I was, them. My mind immediately went to uh, making like a like a kiragumi, like a full sleeper onesie with all the shorts, but on the on the butt it says a chungus among us. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Oh, thank you. We have a follower. Oh, nice. Nice Doc Holiday up in there for my followers. So now that we're through these introductory questions, let's get down to business to defeat the Huns and talk about spaceships and star worms. Hopefully the reflection is not blinding you people because uh, my light is right next to the the camera. Very here. shiny. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this book, for anyone who did not see my review of it, I'll just hold up the spine here. This thing's gigantic. Um, this is really a comprehensive package, and I just want to begin by asking, you know, obviously sci-fi RPGs are a lot of fun and really cool. There's a lot of great ones out there. Fifth edition is also great, as Ben already alluded to, easy to teach people, uh, pretty ubiquitous in RPGs. What was it about fifth edition that you guys thought would make for a good sci-fi RPG experience? Uh, the two things I think that come to mind for me, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Ben, are uh, one, this started out as a project for our home table and we play 5th edition. Um, <laughs> it's a hugely popular system, so it seemed like the easiest thing to start with because it was not having to teach something new to our group, really, just kind of adding on what everyone already knew. <laughs> uh, and 
Two, I already forgot the second thing that I was going to say. Hmm. <laughs> That's not helpful. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so for me, like, it did start as our home thing. So the fact that we were already playing 5th edition meant that that's what I was, you know, we were thinking of when we jumped into sci-fi land. Um, but e when we decided to launch it, like, from something that was just going to be for us to something that would be for other people, um, the two big things for us, and correct me if I'm wrong, Audrey, was that... Uh, um, Fifth edition is simple and easy to learn, and because exactly. sci-fi games naturally tend to be more complex, starting from a place of simplicity and trying to follow fifth edition's design style meant that we hoped we could build a more accessible, easier to learn sci-fi gaming system than mm -hmm. say something like Starfinder, for example, uh, which builds off of you know the ideas of Pathfinder and can be very uh, complex and crunchy, or it has some my... really neat stuff in it. Now that I've finally right. been able to read it, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so it's just it's the same kind of thing. Like fifth edition D and D is great for learning a fantasy system because of how easy it is to learn and pick up and play. And the goal was to to do the same thing with sci fi. Mm -hmm. And then the other half of it was um, because fifth edition has such a huge like market presence. market market presence. Uh, and the OGL is out there for use. It made for a really good jumping ground to make the sci-fi game from it. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And even in something that's system agnostic, say if you were to put this in Savage Worlds, there's already plenty of sci-fi Savage Worlds settings. Uh, same for GURPS, same for pretty much any. But 5th edition, I've noticed, does not have a lot of non-fantasy support shall we say so i i do think yeah. you guys kind of that was that was kind of the third secret reason was that we we saw a hole and we wanted to fill it uh what is it see a need fill a need audrey yes from robots 2005 yep, absolutely <laughs> yep big weld uh, i'm right there with yes you. <laughs> oh man uh, yeah. audrey oh no there's two of them <laughs> Ryan, I think that I think that we might be platonic soulmates because my friends are tired of hearing me talk about robots. <laughs> well, remember, viewers of Rolling Bones, whether a bot is made of new parts, old parts, or spare parts, you can shine oh, no. no matter what you're made of. I love this. This is perfect. This is the best interview we've ever done. <laughs> Name's Fender. Used to be Bumper, but we had to change it when we came to the country. When we moved into the country, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh this gosh. Is the quoting, is, it's it so is a great much. Movie. <laughs> I, were, I know this town like the back of my hand. Hey, that's, that's new. new. <laughs> we're about to be served uh, pe legal papers for quoting the, rest the entire of the movie. The stream is just me and Ryan reenacting <laughs> the entire movie. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and DreamWorks. Uh, I don't know if the offer has been made, but I'm sure, you know, there's a couple dollars to be made from licensing robots for a tabletop <laughs> role-playing game. Hey, come on, I... guys. Get on that. I'm, I'm hearing ideas. <laughs> Look, and... Audrey, you can write your own robots module. <laughs> <laughs> and appropriately enough, uh, Audrey, the, the triangle has been completed because Kyle also loves robots, as I'm just yes! now finding out. So. 
Oh, yes. Oh, Kyle. See, okay, so he said that film got him into Domino's. So I grew up doing Domino's with my grandpa. So when that movie came out, it was just like the realization of all my childhood experiences. <laughs> <laughs> If, if anyone has not seen 2005's Robots, it is an all-star cast. Uh, it's it's pretty good kids movie. I love it. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It, has, yeah. it uses uh, some great songs in the soundtrack. Just absolutely, absolutely gorgeous and um, very heartfelt message. So, mm-hmm. And Mel Brooks. And Mel Brooks. Yep. And Robin Williams and Halle Berry, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Carey, oh, Amanda everyone. Bynes. Yeah, yeah, Drew Carey was in it. You're right. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of people. It's a great movie. Stanley Tucci. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Elfie, that movie is on our shelf, so we're watching it. <laughs> Can't believe oh, we haven't man. watched it up until this point. <laughs> oh, you got you gotta show her. You gotta. <laughs> That's. This will be the last thing I say about robots. I can't promise that the conversation will move back to it. But but that's one of those movies that I rented from Blockbuster and it just kind of, it didn't get returned at some point. So we just ended up having to buy it. So that's how (laughs) it came into my possession. That's perfect. (laughs) From the the latter days of of Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. But, so, when it comes to this game, not only have you guys, in my opinion, created a good sci-fi system here, you've also really added some things that I feel like are missing from base 5th edition. And we'll start with my favorite edition that you guys have made here that could be ported into just a base 5th edition game. Uh, that being the martial class, uh, that that is something that I really feel like has been missing from D and D. I never got to play Fourth Edition, but the Warlord was a similar notion. I I think there's a similar thing in Pathfinder as well, but that kind of battlefield controller is not really present in Base Fifth Edition. So I really have to applaud you guys for adding in that class because I love it. Well, thank you. That's- all um, been. That's all been, and it was you, totally uh, inspired. You yeah. and me both, my friend. Um, <laughs> I played 4th edition uh, just for a little bit and found it to be too grindy in the combat, but uh, I fell in love with the Warlock whenever I did play it. The Warlord. Or, sorry, the Warlord. I know and, what you uh, meant. I'm just... Yeah, I'll know what I meant. I'm crazy. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, but just the the very idea of it, and um, the the Battlemaster fighter just didn't quite do it for me. Uh, so when it came to making new classes and stuff, I just had all these ideas about how to build that class I loved into fifth edition. Uh, so it's it's always good to hear that uh, people enjoy it. Yeah, and that one actually started as just homebrew for fifth edition at our table. Yeah, and, we just uh, played it as once, regular. Yeah, regular and once we once we got in deeper with the sci-fi system, uh, the Marshall was like the first thing to get moved over. So, hmm. right, yeah, the uh, a lot of the classes in there started as just regular fifth edition um, uh, homebrew that we were using at our personal table for a while. So, like the Marshall, the Oracle. Same, uh, all of it except for the scientist 
I think. Yeah, and the, the robotics is to a lesser degree, but it was the summoner. Yeah, kind of. we ported the summoner over from Pathfinder into Fifth Edition, and then that then became the roboticists when we made SNS. So. Yeah, it was like the same base concept, but yeah, the Scion we were doing as the occultist Harry Dresden in Five E, um, that kind of thing where you're a caster with implements, mm-hmm. and yep. yeah, a plus yeah. for referencing another thing that I absolutely love, that being the Dresden files. Now ben that one I can talk long. about all day long. <laughs> I I wish it were in here. It's actually sitting on my bookshelf out there. I'd grab it. But I, I cosplayed as Harry Dresden one time and got to meet Jim Butcher at Dragon Con. Oh, that's so cool. And so he that's so cool. He he signed my book that I had there, but he also signed uh, the blasting rod that I had. So hold on, hold on. I'll be right back. I almost wore this shirt today. <laughs> oh yeah. This mm. is this is good. Yeah, Ben got me into the Dresden Files, and it is an inescapable prison that I'm happy yep. to be in. Yep, so. absolutely. I've gotten my <laughs> wife to, to fall down that rabbit hole. I'm currently still reading Peace Talks. Uh, oh, yes. Yep. Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yep. So, so Elfie, my lovely wife, was kind enough to actually the, bring, it, bring it in here. The shirt this... that an artist made for me at a con <laughs> uh, that's just, like, from the cover of oh, Deadbeat. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That is cool, right? Yep. Yeah, my, yeah. my blasting rod here for anyone who didn't see it the first time. Jim Butcher signed. Oh, hell yeah. The handle of it. It's it's a stick. It's a stick that I sanded, but it's got Jim Butcher's cool. signature on it. So That's it's, that's what matters. <laughs> it's essentially awesome. a legendary magic item at this point. So <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> now, have you guys but played yeah, so the Dresden the RPG? The inspiration of the Scion came from, from that, which then eventually came... Uh, shifted into psionics and stuff because we knew we wanted to have some mental boogity. Mm. So, gotcha. And before we step off that tangent, have you guys actually played like the Evil Hat Dresden RPG? I've read it but not played it. Gotcha. Same. I haven't got to actually play it yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't uh... own it. I haven't read it. I need to get it. Um, because I'm surprised I haven't. I definitely. It up to this point. I definitely recommend reading it. It's. I mean, it seems like it's, it would be really fun. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> Hit me up. Especially if you're <laughs> if you like mysteries and that kind of RP, especially. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and yes, yes, Nano Boost. It is a good stick. It's the best <laughs> stick. <laughs> gotcha. So the the other thing that you guys have added here, uh, because no sci-fi game is complete without some kind of ship combat, but the ship combat system that you guys have here. Um, again, I feel like if you were playing something like Salt Marsh and you had a uh, like a pirate ship or something like that, you could easily use that in base fifth uh, to to run an actual ship. But the the way that it's set up for spaceships here is is great as well. And I'm I'm glad that you guys thought to include that because it's not something that's in base fifth. Um, it's something that's completely essential to the setting. And it would be easy to go, that's pretty hard, or I don't know how to make this work with this rule set. Let's gloss over it. And so I'm glad that you guys put that time in and and came up with a good ship combat system here. It went through four or five iterations, I think, before we landed on what's in the book. Um, Oh, yeah. Because, (laughs) oh, it it was, our first one was so complex, and I was just like, this does not 
work with 5e like it's completely against the spirit of what we're trying to do yeah with, it didn't like, feel like 5e at all <laughs> tech system so so yeah where we landed i feel pretty comfortable with and um yeah i i you know i'm glad that you like it and i'm glad that it, um you mentioned the compatibility with 5e because everything we wrote was meant to be backwards compatible with 5e mm-hmm. um you know and obviously you might be modifying for tech or lack thereof um yeah. but all of the rules should just meld in with what's already there mm-hmm. and then one one other thing to mention this might not go backwards to fantasy 5e uh, but with the kind of modern rules that are out there for D&D uh, 5e and, and the stuff that you added here with cyberware, uh, you've made it one step easier to create a 5e cyberpunk system. So I, I have to give props there, too. Well, it's uh, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, <laughs> so I mentioned Shadowrun earlier, and mm-hmm. uh, both of us are pretty avid fans of the cyberpunk genre. And so one of the planets and therefore the species of that planet, our city world, Kygor, uh, is based off of the setting of cyberpunk. Gotcha. Um, and our upcoming module that we're going to... It's publishing. Well, it should be publishing October, but it'll, it'll be end of should October, be. early November. <laughs> Somewhere barring, on there. Barring any major issues. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, is is set on Kygor and it's supposed to evoke a very like noir cyberpunk feel to it. Cool. Um yeah. Cool. I'm definitely there for that. Uh now you you guys have mentioned that a lot of this came out of your uh your homebrew world and there's a lot of space in this this hefty tome uh devoted to the Nakora galaxy. Is that your kind of homebrew world that you've then brought into the system and, and modified a, a little bit to to make it something that would go in a book like this? Is that where that kind of was born out of? We actually kind of accidentally made an entirely new setting when we were writing about the species <laughs> for the game. So yep. <laughs> that's what that is. It's no relation to our existing homebrew. Gotcha. Yeah. In fact, the planet that our that our that I was running my home games on isn't even in the Nakora Galaxy at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was as Audrey said. Like originally, I think we started somewhere around like setting agnostic, and then slowly we tried to, and then as we were building this more and more stuff. Yeah, we were building the species and, and in trying to move away from this is just a space elf. This is just a space dwarf. We were trying to make like the the lore of the species more rich and it just kind of naturally gave birth to this setting. Um, so it all rolled out from there and there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of expanded. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, again, a, a thing that I have to give thumbs up to because with something like this, um, a major genre expansion to an established uh, system, D&D has Forgotten Realms and, and several other settings. There are, there are people out there who are going to be able to run a game but maybe not necessarily want to come up with their own world. So giving people a playground to play in other than just saying you know this is a space elf this is a space dwarf um it it really is a a good a good use of space here and 
it's a it's a great addition. Really makes this uh, worth the money that you pay for it. Getting a setting and a rule set and GM information all in the same package with a bestiary in the back and equipment as well. It's uh, again, I really have to applaud you guys for including that because it's a resource that a lot of people will value. Well, thanks. Yeah, um, thank you very much. The other thing of, for me is that, sorry, Ben, I, we're no, probably about good. to say Go the same it. thing. Uh, we knew we wanted to write adventures for this uh, system, and it's a lot easier to write adventures when there is a setting to write them in, mm-hmm. um, because adventures are inherently more difficult to write setting agnostic. So that was the other part of it, was wanting to, to give ourselves the room to grow the system as necessary. Um, I don't know if that's what you were going to say, Ben, but that was the other thing that came to mind for me. No, uh, I was going to say that um, we ended up including uh, a lot of things in the book that um, we wanted to put in there because the ideal for us was you almost didn't need any other book to run the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though exception... it uses the OGL uh, yeah. for 5th edition, so like, which is a free document you can download, right? We didn't want you to feel like, oh, I have to buy the regular 5th edition player's guide because they didn't include, um, you know, a combat section that was robust enough. Now I have to look through this other thing. Or, you know, I have to buy uh, the GM, the Dungeon Master guide for 5th edition. Like, we, we just didn't want someone to feel like they had to buy anything except for our book and then use the SRD free pdf you know right um and that was one of our main goals with the initial core source book yeah to make it as complete as possible and i think the only thing that we didn't include was um so we have archetypes for some of the base 5e classes such as bard fighter sorcerer etc and i think we didn't include the initial write-up of like their um, progression charts and base class abilities. So that's what you would need to look online for or need to have another book for. But, um, but in retrospect, I wish that we had included them. (laughs) Um, but we tried Mm -hmm. to make it as complete as possible. It was just already such a long book, you know, it was like, at what point is it too long? Yep, absolutely. Now, this is not to say that you guys don't already have uh, some expansions out because as Kyle, your, uh, your best salesman, in the world, <laughs> in, in chat is saying there is, uh, in addition to this core book, uh, an expansion that you guys have put out, uh, Natural Environments. Uh, could, could you explain to, to people out there what, what is included in this book and, and you know what it adds to the, the setting in the world that we have here? So uh, the Galactic Primer on Natural Environments adds two more augmented classes, uh, which are our take on bringing a druid and a ranger into space. Um, And then it also has some more equipment and expansion on some archetypes. But the biggest thing about the book is it primarily acts as our monster manual. Um, The majority of the book is just space monsters. It's over 100 monsters. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. So that's Um, the primary thing that it does for you. (laughs) (laughs) We've got some other stuff that we're working on as well. Um, And, you know, we'll we'll probably continue writing adventures for this for a long time. But um, in terms of, like, 
game content. Um, the one that we're working on that will be released in 2021 is called the Galactic Primer on Urban Sprawls. So that's going to be your equipment and magic item guide primarily um, with some new archetypes as always, because that's a fun time. But we just wanted to, you know, there's a lot of ideas and we want to give as much material as we can out there. So you can play with just the core book. Everything you need is in there. Mm-hmm. Um but if you want more monsters without having to port over your own D&D monsters or make up your own stuff, you can pick up the Galactic Primer on Natural Environments because uh, we have more plants in that book than in all of D&D combined, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Plant monsters because I, really I love them. I really plant monsters. Um, yeah, but the the nice thing about being so backwards compatible, though, is like if you do already have a 5th edition monster manual or... I think it was what Volo's Guide and such. Mm-hmm. Like all of those things, they poured over with minimal revision. Yeah, um, and like the stuff from Cobalt Press, their monster books, like those things poured over pretty easily as well. And so that was the goal. It's just compatibility, right? Anything mm-hmm. that says it's compatible with 5e, you should be able to integrate. Yep. Yeah, one thing, my my personal head canon for D&D, because they aren't really explained where they come from. I like to think that aberrations are aliens. Um, oh, neat. Especially kind of the, the Mind Flayer and uh, uh, Gith Yankee varieties because they have ships. Uh, but right. even I even like to think of Beholders as aliens just because you know no one really knows where they came from and they're so foreign to the world of D&D. Uh, so I would definitely, if I were running a... Uh, a spaceships and Star Wars campaign, and this is probably spoilers for anyone who uh, I will subject <laughs> this to at some point. Uh, there, there may very well be an an urban sprawl that is controlled by a Beholder crime syndicate. Uh, a, I love that a space deep, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Beholder is probably my favorite uh, tabletop monster of all time, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just sad that. It's a proprietary uh, thing, so we can't utilize it in any way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish that the OG some attack. of those <laughs> monsters, but I know why, you know, because they are very unique creatures. I yeah. personally love Displacer Beasts, but, you know, oh, we yes. can't have Displacer Beasts. Mm-hmm. So uh, just a few things we missed out on because uh, we're trying to work within the OGL, you know, but, but you definitely can. encourage you to put a You can on your game. home game. Yep. We yeah. encourage you, put those beholders, put that entire planet of sentient alien beholders with <laughs> their oligarchy out in the outer reaches, and woe to the players that find that planet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. I love that. Kyle has already, he's already steepling his fingers in, in evil glee as he thinks about subjecting <laughs> subjecting the, the crew to to the Beholder Crime Syndicate and then uh, Nano Boozed and Chad, I'll make them an eye beam they can't refuse. That's my Beholder <laughs> voice. That's that's my go-to. I love beholders. it. Solid. Solid choice. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, you guys have already alluded to, to what's coming next, obviously kind of exploring the, uh, the urban sprawl aspect of, of sci-fi and expanding that. Uh, beyond that, what are your kind of hopes and dreams, not only for uh, spaceships and starworms, but for other uh, other game products moving forward? 
as we mentioned, we have a module that's coming out before the end of the year. It's called Kaigor Noir Ghost in the Machine. Um, so that'll be a nice, fun cyberpunk mystery module. Um, and that was actually suggested by Diane, who is one of our Kickstarter backers. So we've been really excited to work with her on that um, and to get that out this year. So that's really exciting. Um, and then the Urban Sprawls book, hopefully next year. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, definitely next year. It's just win. Right. Um, it's just win. Uh, and then other than that, you know, um, we've got another module from a Kickstarter backer that, that we'll be working on. Um, and one more, probably just one more expansion of content, depending. We'll see how we feel about it. Um, but we always put out um, fun classes for like holidays or classes or species. Last year we did uh, the Necroken at, uh, at Halloween, which is like a zombie thing. And we just had an author uh, publish with us The Witch, which is like our Halloween thing for this year. It's a class for 5e and mm. it's very cool. So um, that's something we're really excited about and working with other um, small creators to publish their stuff. And then Ben mentioned we're putting out a universal LARP system, which is written by uh, one of our co-writers and collaborators, Steve. Um, so we're working on getting that out there. And then, I don't know, we got yeah. lots we of got ideas. Some, we got some ideas down the pipeline, uh, tossing around a from scratch new system with its own yeah. setting. Uh, that wouldn't be beholden to any uh, open gaming licenses or anything like that. Um, hard to say how far out that is, because that takes a lot more playtesting than testing archetypes and stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah. uh, I will say that if you or your listenings, listeners are interested in being part of the playtest group for uh, the Urban upcoming calls. products and such... Mm -hmm. um, we can give oh, we can give you the link to the to the playtesting Discord. You just sign an NDA, and uh, we we're currently doing wave two of the playtesting for Urban Sprawls. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So if that's something that you you enjoy doing, um, get your name in the book under playtesters and uh, get some early access fun. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that sounds like a lot of fun. It's definitely something I would I would definitely want to. And of course, you know, Kyle. Pretty much as soon as this is over, I'm just going to like text him the link and he'll probably sign up tonight. I was going to say, uh, I'm right. going to pull the link right now while I'm yeah, just pull about that up, Audrey. and drop it in our chat, Ryan, and you can just, you can just uh, share it with your, your followers. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then yes, uh, nano boost. We, we have already floated the idea of, of robots, the TTRPG. We'll have I, to we'll have to contact um, DreamWorks' okay. yeah. uh, so legal team. Here's the thing I will say about this because I've been thinking about it since it was brought up. Oh, First no. thing is, <laughs> we already have an idea about uh, our April Fools' thing that we're putting out this year. Last year we did the food lock, which was like a food themed warlock mm -hmm. uh, that has been rated like really seriously on Drive Through RPG, despite how much in the description we say this is a joke class. Mm -hmm. This is not for like for seriousness. <laughs> this is just for fun. Yep. Um, so it cracks me up. Um, but you can check that out for free on our drive through RPG page. But um, we already have something for this year's April Fool's, but there is a part of me that's like, 
I will be in contact with DreamWorks PR team to see if the <laughs> copyright's up for grabs for that. But oh if gosh. it's not, I'm just going to make, you know how there's like those third party, really low budget animation companies. I'm just going to make a bunch of knockoff <laughs> versions of all oh the gosh. characters from Robots 2005, change oh the names a little bit, and then make a tabletop game. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Here, well, no, you can't do Bender because Futurama. Uh, no, just do no Bender. R-Bot. So it couldn't be, couldn't be Fender, couldn't be Bumper, uh, could be Spoiler, maybe. Spoiler would be in the same yeah, of car parts. Mm-hmm. Blender. B- Blender, yes, that's very good. <laughs> uh, and instead of Rodney Copperbottom, I'm going to just call him Robert Iron Tushy. Silver Top. <laughs> <laughs> we went two different directions ben. we did absolutely <laughs> small fusion uh, instead of big weld oh my god 2007's totally legally distinct automate auto- automaton <laughs> it's tabletop automaton. <laughs> <laughs> oh man instead uh, of ratchet you have socket wrench <laughs> yes yes <laughs> Oh, it's too good. Gotcha. Well, it's say to this. <laughs> it's it's been great to discuss this game. Uh, one thing I always feel the need to to bring this up whenever I review someone's RPG and then uh, bring them on the show. I do apologize for the comment about this looking like a textbook at times. Um, that's just kind of become my persona. Is when I when I review a game, I end up talking about ways in which an RPG book ends up resembling a textbook. Um, they have a lot of similarities, so yes. I understand. It's a lot in common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there... I mean, one of the things we were really excited for from the uh, from the Kickstarter was being able to afford and put additional art in there because mm-hmm. some of it was oof, just royalty free stuff. First so it was essentially was just... placeholders. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, what a time. Yeah, I mean, but... I, I, I've talked to people. I talked to one guy who uh, he he spent, he, he had this big art budget and he decided instead of going with uh, smaller or more pieces from uh, kind of less expensive artists to, to fill out the book, he was going to commission these kind of big grand pieces. So throughout the book, you've got these like amazing splashes of what he's got going on, these big pictures. But then you turn the page and he's describing a desert environment and he's got a stock photo of like a dune in the desert. And with the the framing of the book and the stock photo of this dune and the text underneath it, I was like, this looks like a Prentice Hall science book. Yeah, yeah. It's always the challenge, right? Yep. Look, I will say this, though. Each of our galactic primers has a bit of a theme, and I have considered science textbook as a theme for the <laughs> for the project after the Urban Sprawls book. Mm-hmm. God, the, <laughs> the Urban Sprawls book will just tell you, teaser-wise, uh, since our most urban space in, uh, in the Nakora galaxy is the planet Kygor, so you wide planet, uh, it is a sort of guidebook slash yellow pages of Kygor is the theme of that <laughs> one. Full so. of advertisements for places For different to go. places and locations <laughs> on Kygor. Yeah. Mm. And and stuff like that where where it's, you know, a stylistic choice 
can end up being pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, I'm always reminded of, I think it was the Chrome manuals for, uh, for, I don't know if it was Shadowrun or Cyberpunk, uh, where Mm. it was basically set up like it was reviews on the internet. So there'd be the item and then there'd be reviews underneath it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. Love that. Yeah, Yeah. Very, very choice. So yeah, stylistic stuff like that. If you're if you're shooting for science textbook, uh, I mean that's an aesthetic that you could you could nail and, and really make work. Uh, so, really <laughs> yeah. I, but do we want to? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a book about planes and magic, so maybe, maybe could not. Work could work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, guys, this has been a ton of fun uh, talking with you. As we're getting towards kind of the end of our time here, uh, what I like to do is is give the guests time to kind of uh, you know shout out all their their links and uh, you know places where people can find them. Uh, we've got our your Twitter feeds here on mm-hmm. uh, the stream itself. Uh, so anything you want to promote, any links you want to direct people towards, uh, go ahead. It is uh, it is your floor. Um, all right, then I'm just going to do my usual spiel. Yeah, go for it, Audrey. <laughs> okay, so You're we rough. are at we are at Starworms on Twitter. You can find us uh, backslash Starworms on Facebook, um, or just search Spaceships and Starworms on Facebook. We also have pages for the publisher as a whole. So on Twitter, that's Hope Punk P, and on Facebook, that's backslash Hope Punk Press. We have a website, HopePunkPress.com. It is in terrible shape. Please don't judge me. I'm working on an overhaul right now, so it's kind of gross right now. Um, but all of our stuff is there. Our drive-through RPG page, you can just look for Hope Punk Press. Uh, you'll find all of our stuff, including The Witch, which, as we said, is a class for 5e. Um, and it's it's a really cool class. It uses conduits and Vancy and spellcasting, um, where you're preparing your spells directly into tattoos and you get, which is familiar and anthropomorphic hut and room of flying and all that stuff, all that fun stuff. So check that out for sure. Uh, we stream every other Wednesday. So it, our next stream won't be this week, but it'll be next week, Wednesday. Um, you can find us on Twitch at backslash starworms. Hmm. We have a Tumblr, but that's kind of dead. It's, Spaceships and Star Worms. We're not really on Tumblr the platform kind of anymore. Dead. Yeah. There's a subreddit for Star Worms <laughs> yeah, that they... you can go to. Not a whole lot hop in there, but if you post questions there, we definitely will answer them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, if you're interested, you can always join the Spaceships and Star Worms public Discord. Lots of people hanging out, talking about the character concepts, fun science stuff. Today we were talking about life. Uh, I say life. We were talking about... Um, Potential signs of life found in Venus's atmosphere, which is very cool if you don't know about that. There's really high levels of phosphine, which uh, previously was um, essentially astronomers and scientists were like, hey, if there's this amount of phosphine, that generally points to there being some form of organic life in the area. So that's a cool new development in space stuff, um, which I could talk about all day. Did I forget anything? I got Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, DriveThruRPG, Twitch, Reddit website is that all of it ben did i do it yeah i think you pretty much ran through the whole gambit <laughs> this is my usual spiel on the on our twitch stream that we do we're playing um playing a game that ben's running in the spaceships and star room setting um on Cassia station i do a very terrible boston accent my husband aaron plays as a diva <laughs> bard who will impersonate any living thing and maybe some dead things um yeah it's a great time so 
everybody, if you want to hang out, please hit us up, find us on social channels and uh, join the Discord, hang out with us. And mm -hmm. playtesting, of course. I sent you the Discord link, Ryan. So if you want to join that or um, invite any of your viewers to join that, please do. Yeah, I think you can. I think you can share a shared link forward. Yeah, probably. you can. I changed the permission. Oh, good, good. Gotcha. <laughs> and and Nano Boost, thank you so much for the follow there. Another another Doc Holiday up there in the top corner. Uh, thank you for that. I say that because uh, for for anyone who is listening to this, because uh, we do have quite a bit of a, a substantial audio-only listeners, that, that ding noise that you're hearing is accompanied by a picture of Doc Holliday tipping his hat because I am a huge fan of Tombstone. Uh, so when I say West that's another Doc Holliday, that's, yes. I love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, D Deadlands is like my one one A one B favorite movie. Uh, it switches places it. with Sin City every now and then. Okay. But yeah. All right. Okay. All right. I'm I'm a sucker for a western, especially a weird western or space western. So, mm -hmm. oh, very good. Yep. And and I, yeah, that's. Oh, sorry. My husband that. made me watch Wild Wild West the other day. <laughs> I've never seen it. She never it seen it somehow. Very weird. <laughs> <laughs> Very weird. Still enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, great theme song though. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The music video was a mm, one. Mm, mm-hmm. I still get that song stuck in my head every now and then. <laughs> oh yeah. And whenever I hear that Stevie Wonder song, I'm just thinking when I roll into the wild, wild west. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so good mm -hmm. and that's another that's another thing that you guys can do if um with spaceships and star worms if you are a western fan and you know like your your cowboy bebops and your uh your fireflies you can definitely do that with this thing so one more time spaceships and star worms is great uh you should definitely pick it up um so guys that is going to do it for tonight's edition of rolling bones with Ryan Howard. If anyone missed out on our live stream tonight, uh, this is going up on YouTube and Podcatchers this Wednesday. Uh, just to let you guys know, schedule-wise, what's coming up, we are not going to do Danishes and Dragons this Saturday because I will be out of town. I will actually be out of town through Monday evening, so we will not be doing Rolling Bones again until the 28th. Uh, on Saturday the 25th, we will be getting back to Danishes and Dragons. Uh, Spencer Campbell Slayers is available to backers now. I've got my PDF, so we'll be talking about that on the 25th. Um, but I will be on vacation this weekend, so no Danishes and Dragons, no Rolling Bones. I'll see you guys next on the 25th, and I'm looking forward to talking about uh, Slayers by Spencer Campbell. Uh, so guys, until then, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard. And remember, you can shine, you can shine, you can shine. I'll see you next time. <laughs>